Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day in a still rather deserted city of Westminster in these current times, as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Challoner and I'm joined on today's programme by Andy Clark. Andy is a Director and Transport Manager at DW Clark & Sons Limited, a freight distribution and logistics specialist based in Chelmsford, Essex. Andy, welcome to the program and thank you ever so much for joining us on this fine day. Hi, how are you? Very good, uh, thank you. Um, and the purpose of uh, this uh, discussion, Andy, is to really establish your take on leadership as a whole. So if we dive straight in and just look at that word leader, just in isolation for a moment, what does that word actually mean to you and how does it resonate? Uh, oh, crikey, leader is really someone that's, if you look at the country at the moment, I think that Boris Johnson's done a fantastic job and he's, he's kind of the leader that, for me, I personally feel the, the person in charge and as a company, I'm the lead, one of like five or six leaders there, someone that can take charge of a situation and really diversify, be be interchangeable as and adaptable as per what you, you, you may need to do at any given moment in time. And if we think about your own leadership style, Andy, in the context of DW Clark, um, how would you yeah. describe that? How do you go about um, sort of leading um, a business, as it were? Um, it, it's adaptable, really, it, it, uh, especially given at the moment the, the times are very challenging for us. So mm. you, you have to adapt completely as per what what's thrown at you. So you, as, a, as a person, you could be very, you could have what we call a nice, easy day, and then all of a sudden, your second day is completely thrown at you, so you you have to diversify. And we, we've got a, a employee, we employ seventy seventy five people, so you've got effectively sixty nine other different people's opinions at you a day. So it's it's really being adaptable and making sure that although my opinion may be the one that is is what I want, you've also got to take into account what other people are thrown in there as well. And as a business, we've we've got. So we've got 69 other opinions at any given moment. So it's changing, adapting and making sure that the ultimate goal is to get the, the correct outcome from it all. Mm. That adaptability and flexibility is incredibly important, Ms. and Andy, as you've said there. And it will continue to be so as we look to move out of the pandemic and into this new normal way of doing things. That's certainly going to be how we do business um, in future. Um, but how would you say the staff um, at um, DW Clark and Sons have responded uh, to that? Because we've heard some fantastic stories, haven't we, of people really bringing out the best in themselves during this time of adversity and going above and beyond. Um, have you been inspired by the response that you've seen from uh, the people closest to you? Yeah, we've you know we've been really fortunate. Um, we've got a fantastic workforce who we we had to make very little changes in the workforce as in furloughing staff, and we kept pretty much I think about sixty percent, seventy percent of the workforce going. Being in the logistics industry, we were fortunate to have the food and some of the medical supplies as, as our backup. So it it's kept us going as a business. But you. Um, mm. The staff themselves have been absolutely fantastic, even in the real darkest times. And really, it's an unknown. Every day they were coming in asking us questions. And as directors, you had to sit down and dissect each daily briefing to then come back the following day to your staff, even before that, to make sure that they were ready for that day. And do you know what? They've been absolutely fantastic. I can't knock any single one of them. They've they've probably gone a little above and beyond probably what they, they normally do in everyday work. So it's it's absolutely fantastic, our, our whole staff. 
And it's fantastic to see that obviously their response to this um, has been a real inspiration for you, uh, Mandy. If we shift focus slightly, but still uh, mention, of course, inspiration just for a second. Are there any individuals who really stick out who you've really looked up to throughout your career and who maybe has had a significant impact on your leadership style as it is now? Um, Probably quite. I'm very sporty. I love I'm a big Chelsea sporter and football fan. So for me, I suppose there's a few people that um, as leadership styles um, have gone in. I've always, for me, Glenn Hoddle was a massive influence when I was younger. Um, he was kind of at the forefront when I was going to my work days and management and things like that. Sometimes you do correlate sports to your general day-to-day mm. management styles. And it's, you know, he was probably one of the, the big ones out there for me that stood out at a time when the football and that is, and it's, it's massive to us, but you correlate some of what they do in the big, the big football world into your, to your styles of work. And yeah, he's probably the one person that I looked at. And for me, also, the other person I'm a big fan of, um, Nelson Mandela, and, and that I was lucky, fortunate enough to go to South Africa many years ago and um, go to Robin Island, and it was, it kind of struck a few, few chords with me as a person, and probably came back from there a little bit inspired by how countries different countries operate and, and run and obviously each each and has their own um quirks and things like that and, but it was definitely those two of the people for me that probably have, I, I take most from mm. from day to day Two incredible examples, um, of course, Andy. And it's very interesting that you mention Nelson Mandela because one of his quotes actually um, can be one of the best pieces of advice that you can give to an aspiring business leader. And that is to surround yourself with people who are better than you. And that links very nicely into what you said about teams earlier, picking the people that you surround yourself with very carefully, people who have those qualities that are going to complement yourself, going to complement the business. And that's hugely important, isn't it, um, from a business point of view when it comes to uh, leadership? Yeah, it is. And actually, the, the people you surround yourself is probably is really how successful businesses can be or can go the opposite. We're fortunate we're a family business. So we've, mm. we work with, I work with my dad, my uncles, my cousins, uh, and my, my brother. So we surround ourselves with people and we spend a lot of time with them in work and out of work. But it's how you really adapt and get by. But it's, yeah, it's completely. And some of the most influential leaders out there, if you will, can sometimes be those who are closest to us, can't they? I mean, we have to remember as leaders that we're not alone in the role, that we can learn from other people. We can have mentors. We can confide um, and learn uh, from others um, as well. And that's um, something that's really important to remember because I think sometimes um, younger leaders especially can take it upon themselves to be a little bit of a lone wolf and that's not necessarily the best way of doing things. No, I mean, we, I say we work with family. So both my 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 uncle, my dad, and my late uncle uh, are people that we looked up to. And really, we took lead leadership from them. The company was was run as they do. And then, as we've come into the modern era, we've up, updated the business. And obviously, given the moment in time with with what's gone on, we're, we're probably like to enter into one of our hardest um, times in the fifty years that we've been operating. And really, the inspiration is taken from those three people and my granddad as well. He was. Um, passed away we I didn't get to work with him too much but each and every one of those brings their own individuality into the company we then as the next batch of directors the third generation are also doing the same and 
we take their leadership styles and then we add our own bit and we are where we are today through these sort of things. It's all about learning from others, isn't it? And just integrating parts of their style that you think are beneficial and just using it to uh, mould your owner for sure. And uh, I think sometimes, yeah, I think sometimes as well, Andy, that considering that some of these people who are family members, who are parents, colleagues, mentors, as we've said already, can be the most influential leaders. I think sometimes there's a little bit of a lack of recognition for them because we often associate leadership, as we've discussed already, with sports and with politics and those sorts of things. And so recognition for leadership in business can sometimes sort of go under the radar in comparison a little bit. Is that something that you'd agree with? Do you think that maybe we don't recognise good business leadership enough in this country? Yeah, uh, well... The catch me too, yeah. I, we do, we do, and we don't. Um, we sorry, can you just repeat the question? Yeah, do you think that we recognize good leadership within business perhaps as much as we should do in this country? Mm, yeah, I think we do. I think we're, we're sometimes we don't, and sometimes as, as people, we the, the more successful you are, I think people uh, you always look as an envious sometimes as a nation and people. Um, people are more successful. However, saying that, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we do to a degree. I think we, the hard work is, is always, um, at the end, the good will come from the hard work. Um, mm. And again, it's, I think someone once said, you you don't make many friends if you want to be very successful, and that's probably true. You have to take a few hits along the way, but it, it, there is normally some reward at the end shall we say in my opinion i think um you're right in what you're saying there um, and it's important to really focus on the long term as opposed to being distracted just by gaining the uh, the short term because everything you do of course is working toward that uh, long term uh, reward absolutely right um and if we do think about the uh, the long term just for a moment before we do wrap things up on the uh, the program today from a business perspective what do you envision the next year or so holding for yourself and for dw clark and sons and what do you hope to achieve in that time as we hopefully move through covid19 and out the other side and really look to the future um, it's going to be a tough year, to be totally honest. Uh, the, I think the, the biggest thing is to get through the next six months. Hopefully, there's going to be a, a wave of redundancies would be my guess because people have been forced to work from home. So, actually, I think businesses have found that they can work from home. They can reduce workforces and still probably have the productivity. However, saying that, there's always opportunities in, us, in our industry. Um, I think there are there's going to be new opportunities, and so long as you're as a company able to diversify and probably be adaptable, then there's definitely hope out there. And I think I say the, the next six months are definitely everyone's going to have to buckle in, grind in, and help out where you can, and appreciate that it's it's still a much longer outcome. But I, I do honestly think that from it all, I think you're, you're we'll probably come out of it much much wiser much better and us personally as a company i think there's there's there is green shoots coming in from all of our current customers but also new customers out there people do have a little bit more time now to look at their different aspects of their business would be it their transport or what have you so yeah i'm i'm quite hopeful that in the next six months tough but then after that we can start to come out the other side and get back to certainly some sort of normality within the business. Mm. Fingers crossed. 
Let's hope so, certainly, Andy. And I think um, given how informative it's been having you on the uh, programme today, I think at some point in the next year when we start to see the new normal take shape and understand what's really going on within the business, we could catch up uh, just to see how things um, are getting on in that respect. I think that would be hugely um, beneficial for sure. Yeah, that'd be fine. I'd, I'd look forward to that as well. That's fantastic to hear, Andy. And um, thank you ever so much again for taking the time to join us on today's programme. It's been a real pleasure having you, but also um, a really insightful and informative experience. And do, in the meantime, take care and stay safe as well for certain. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Andy. It's been a real pleasure, as I say. No worries. That was Andy Clark, Director and Transport Manager at DW Clark and Sons Limited. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst. During his professional career, Sir Jeff scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup competition, following his treble in England's 4-2 victory over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago now I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff and that's coming up next uh, we're now joined uh, though by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final Sir Jeff Hurst uh, thank you very much for coming on today uh, you're welcome you're welcome good afternoon uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times but when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, had one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over the years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you, you're very... Fortunate, I think you, you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at 
West Ham uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there. It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time maybe overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned 
over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay, he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important, to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year 
they've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in two. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well, so it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. 
Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and, and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we're successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back on an earlier earlier question for me. The um, all 
hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word is team. team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, Together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mindedness, dedication, Dedication to the job, um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may you know have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not. Uh, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my me- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.